to the On The Rocks podcast. This is Denver Post sports reporter Kyle Newman alongside my fellow beat reporter Patrick Saunders on another fresh edition of the show. And on this installment, we're going to be bringing you a little bullpen analysis heading into spring training here in a couple weeks. Obviously, the big name Adam Adovino walking out the door, headed to the Bronx, and we'll talk what Colorado has left and how they're going to maneuver and adapt Heading into this next season, obviously that's going to be a big part of their success. So uh, Patrick, we'll open the show and I'm going to cite just this wonderfully poetic lead that you wrote (laughs) because it encapsulates this whole episode that we're going to do. Big league relievers can be a fickle bunch, hence signing them to big league money contracts is risky business. And... Uh, Rockies are playing risky business right, right now, Patrick, okay? I mean, that is, did, I, did I really write that? You, you did write that. And I thought it was a great lead. I'm not making fun of you. They are they're in risky business right now because Adovino goes to the Yankees for three years, 27 mil. Hey, as you pointed out many times, same contract that uh, McGee and Shaw signed. Obviously, you got Dunn on the payroll as well. You got Wade Davis with a big contract. You got some young guns like Almonte and DJ Johnson, not that young, but an up-and-comer. Uh, you got Oberg, you got Russin. How will he perform? Will it be 2017 or 2018 Russin? So a lot of question marks. What do you, initial thoughts, beyond that magnificent lead that you're <laughs> Well, let me say this. I'm not going to be a hypocrite and say I didn't think it was a good idea last year. I thought when Jeff Breidich and the Rockies front office Invested what came to be $106 million in the bullpen, given how poorly the Rockies' bullpen had performed in 2017, and given the state of the team, I thought it was a wise move at the time. I still think the sign of Wade Davis was probably pretty good. I know his numbers weren't, his raw numbers weren't that great, but he still led the NL in saves. He set a Rockies franchise record, uh, I believe it was 43 saves. So I still think that signing was worth it, even though it was $52 million. The reason for my lead, the idea of fickle, and this is true unless you're Mariano Rivera or somebody of that ilk, the idea that relievers kind of bounce around up and down and up and down, it's true throughout baseball. So maybe I should have been a little wiser and realized that spending $27 million on McGee and Shaw was a little riskier than I initially thought. Because let's face it, they were busts last year. Um, Shaw, I don't know quite what's going on with him. Uh, His velocity last year seemed okay. His pitch location and command was not good. Uh, So I don't know if it's a fact that he just reached the end of the road in terms of the heavy workload. Uh, I know Jake McGee's problem in part has been some uh, knee problems that I think is really hurt his ability to push off, and I think that's hurt his velocity. But bottom line, for the money they're paying those guys, they need to perform this year because the Rockies' bullpen, you know, and and I mean this sincerely, they could have, again, they have a chance to have the greatest rotation in in franchise history. 
they hope that the offense will bounce back from one of the worst years in franchise history, and I think it will. But all of that could not matter a whit if the bullpen doesn't come through. And as it stands now, it doesn't look like the Rockies are going to do anything to bolster that bullpen outside of losing Adam Adovino to free agency. So having said that, and I'm curious your take on this, if I had to pick one guy to me that outside of Wade Davis, that this bullpen is really going to be dependent on, to me it's Scott Oberg. Because I think Scott Oberg has a chance to be every bit as good as Adam Adovino was last year. I don't know if he's up to the big moments yet, but he certainly has the stuff in my mind. And I think his track record last year, where in my view, he was probably the Rockies' best, most consistent reliever for the final two-thirds of the season. If that right-hander can stay healthy and can plug that hole that Adovino left, uh, the bullpen might be just just might be okay. But I think Oberg is a huge key to this next season. Absolutely. Oberg's definitely an X factor. He's got to come back and prove that, you know, after all the injuries, after kind of all the adversity he went through to have that breakout season and, and really second half that he had last year, that that was no fluke, that Scott Oberg can replicate that over the course of a 162-game season. Agree with your thoughts on Wade Davis. You know, there have been some naysayers, some critics of him in that signing. It was big money. It was record money, relieving-wise. I think it was money well spent. I mean, yeah, he he uh, had a career high for blown saves last year, but as you also mentioned, he made club history and was largely, uh, you know, beyond that one scary day in Texas when Wade Davis looked like nothing like Wade Davis and a couple other moments it was largely a, a, a stalwart out there for them. I, I agree with you, and I think that if you if you dive into the numbers a little bit uh, further, Wade Davis's ERA, which was I believe above four, is not that great for a closer. But if you really delve into it, that ERA was inflated greatly by about six outings, and he was used a lot. Now, I'm not making excuses for him, but if you you throw out about six outings. Um, he was really very reliable pitcher next. And I, I, I love his toughness. Uh, he's a guy who may get a little more traffic than you want. He may make some hearts race, uh, but he's not afraid out there. Uh, and I think that's a big deal, closing out games in the majors, not being afraid of the big moment in the ninth inning. Absolutely agree. And one more note about Wade Davis before I finally answer your question about who I think a linchpin is going to be. I really like his mindset, his workmanlike approach. It's not so good for the media. You know, you're not going to get the juicy quote out of him. But I think there's a lot to be said about, Patrick, what you and I and Thomas Harding and all the other reporters get to see, even if it it is, you know, only glimpses. But, you know, we get to be in the clubhouse for a couple hours before the game. We see these guys in their rituals. Brian Shaw plays video games at his locker and goes out and tosses the football. Wade Davis, you know, looks like he's going to, like, take the SAT and the ACT on the same day, and he's studying, and he's, you know, he's got his, his he's very regimented, you know, just like Chuck and Nolan, a lot of the position players. It doesn't always correlate. I'm not saying you can't play video games, go pitch well five hours later, but I think it really speaks to kind of you know, what you got there in Wade Davis. Now, can you replicate it here in this next year of this contract? That's a great point, Kyle, really good point. And and I think what makes Wade Davis a little bit unique among relievers is he started off 
I mean, he, he was a starting pitcher, and he still throws in some ways like a starting pitcher. In other words, he's not a, a one-pitch reliever. He's not even a two-pitch reliever. He has a variety of weapons that he will use in the ninth inning, very much like a starter would use you know, earlier in the game. And the other part of that, and you, and you, you touched on it, uh, he is a student of hitters that he's facing, and all that goes back to his days as a starting pitcher. Um, everybody has a different way of preparing. Everybody uh, does their own thing, but I think that's really, I'm glad you brought that out to our listeners, the fact that Wade Davis, uh, he is a student of the game, and not all relief pitchers are our students of the game, but he certainly is. And folks, Kyle Newman and Patrick Saunders on the On The Rocks podcast. So, so to finally answer your question, Patrick, I agree, Oberg, he's going to be clutch, obviously Davis, but Chris Russin mm-hmm. is really the guy that I'm looking at, uh, especially with some of the question marks with the other left-handers and Dunn, McGee, and Shaw. You know, all com- Dunn obviously coming off the injury, McGee and Shaw off of just terrible campaigns. Can Chris Russin be a stabilizing lefty force out there? Uh, it's going to be interesting to see because they're going to need him, I think. Obviously, Sunwano as well is, is going to be crucial and seeing how that veteran can kind of come along and, and as, as he likes to say, play the long game. You know, he's accomplished a lot. Uh, he's looking to continue to prove that he can compete at a high level in the best league on earth. That's a great point on Chris Russin two years ago. He was terrific. It was this, probably the best year of his career. And they used him in so many different roles. He was a long reliever when the, the starters faltered. He was used in linchpin situations late in the game. Uh, he, he was remarkably effective, remarkably consistent. Last year, he just didn't have it. And he did have some injuries. Um, you know, over his final seven games, he, he pitched pretty well. Um, there were signs toward the end, I thought, that Chris Russin was the Chris Russin of old. And the thing about Chris is he's not an overpowering guy. He's a location guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to go so far as to say he's a finesse pitcher, but he is a lefty reliever. Uh, he uses a lot of guile, uh, a lot, you know, he has the quick pitch, a lot of things to get keep batters off balance, and that's how he attacks them. And last year, his pitch location was just not there. It wasn't good. And he paid the price. But I think there were signs that Russin, toward the end of the season, uh, was rounding back into form of 2017. And you're right. If Chris Russin can come back to the way he was, uh, you know what? Maybe he makes, maybe Jake McGee is not quite so important anymore. Again, folks, Kyle Noonan and Patrick Saunders on the On The Rocks podcast. One final note before we close the show here. We'd be remiss if we didn't give some of these uh, younger, up-and-coming players their due. And, of course, that's the trio of Yancey Almonte, Harrison Musgrave, and DJ Johnson. Uh, all three of which, you know, if, if they're on their game and they're progressing as the Rockies' blueprint hopes, they could really impact into this bullpen. And, you know, I, I'd be lying if I'm if I said I wasn't pulling for DJ Johnson, especially 29 years last year, I think he'll be 30 this year. He's working in a lumber yard in Ohio, you know, just before he got signed a couple seasons ago. So a great story. And um, I see a lot of Wade Davis in DJ Johnson. He was obviously the closer for the isotopes last year and did a great job of that earning the September call up. And there's one other guy that we, we haven't brought up and uh, who knows if this is the year he's going to finally 
reaches potential, and that's Carlos Estevez. Uh, injured much of the year last year, uh, didn't do anything worthwhile at the major league level, pitched very well at the Triple A level. Uh, Carlos has certainly got the talent, if he can harness it, to be a power right-hander in that bullpen. We'll see. And the other thing is, because the Rockies do have some solid depth, depth in the starting rotation, some of those guys who don't make the starting rotation, be it Hoffman, be it Sensatella, even Chad Bettis, yeah. that does give you some depth. The problem with that is then you plug them in and you say, well, what role would they play in the bullpen? Like last year, Chad Bettis was kind of a, as a bullpen guy, was kind of a lost pitcher. I mean, they really didn't know what to do with him. Yeah, he did decently. He did. But you're right. And he, he doesn't have overpowering stuff. No, he's not stuff. a closer kind yeah, of guy. He's and, not a reliever, yeah. really. And he wants to be a starter. Right. But the point is, they do have some, some options uh, coming out of the starting unit. If they don't make the rotation, maybe that helps fill a little bit. Hey, too many arms, that's never a problem. What are you, what are you, what are you, Bud Black? I was going to say that. That's a Bud Black, is it? He's going to say that this spring training. We're going to look at each other. And he's going to, you know what he's going to say? We're going to say, we'll we'll ask a question. We'll say something along the line of, buddy, you have a lot of arms on that uh, rotation this year. And some of those guys might be able to pitch in the bullpen. And he's going to say, isn't that great? I can't wait for all the Bud Blackisms. The, la- the that's baseballs that some people get very upset about, but we reporters take in stride. We get a lot. So looking forward to that at Rock Spring here in a couple weeks. Patrick and I will be down there. Again, Kyle Newman alongside Patrick Saunders here on the On the Rocks podcast. Thanks for tuning in, folks. And until next show, take it easy.